All right, everybody, we're going to make our way back to our seats this morning. So good to see you guys on this Thanksgiving Eve weekend. Big weekend for a lot of you. If you're traveling, our prayers are with you. Uh, and if you're getting with family, our prayers are also with you, um, depending on your different dynamics of things. Well, we're going to get into God's Word this morning. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Psalms kind of almost in the middle of the Bible. In the Old Testament. All right, Psalm 92, we're going to be, begin in verse 12. It says, But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted or planted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. And they will declare, the Lord is just. They will declare, he is my rock. And they will declare, there is no evil in him, the Lord. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we are here this morning because you have willed it and ordained it to be. I believe, O oh God, that you give us direction and you order our steps. And many times we try to fight you and go against the grain. But Lord, in this moment of time today, as we sit down and open your word. May our ears and our hearts and our lives be in a position to receive from you. Speak to us, O oh God. Strengthen us where we're weak. Sustain us for the long journey. And Lord, continue to breathe life into our spirits so that we may flourish and be all that you have called us to be. Without you, we're empty, so today fill us. Make it to where our cup runs over so that, Lord, not only are we satisfied and fulfilled, but, Lord, you use us to touch someone else's life in a way that would help them know you and connect with you. We love you and we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for the blessings of life you give us, food, and drink, and shelter, and clothing, and friends, and family, and a church body to belong to. We honor you here today in this house, in Jesus' name. And you agree, you can say amen. Amen. We've been in a series, and we're carrying on with that series called Kingdom Mindsets. Kingdom Mindsets, where we've been discussing and talking about there's this idea of God, this culture of, of, of living that he creates, it's his kingdom, and, it's, and it supersedes all other things about our natural life, that his kingdom culture and his kingdom mindset is really the, 
mindset that as Christians we are all called to have and all called to develop and walk in. And it's a work, though, that happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. Uh, back in Jesus' time of him living on earth, the religious were all about the outside and not the inside. And he came to deal with the inside. And if he can change us from the inside, then the outward expressions of our life, the ebbs and flows, the comings and goings, the choices that we make will line up because he does a work from the inside out. And he, his kingdom lives inside of his people. And it's his kingdom that works in us to produce a mentality and a, and a mindset. It's really about our, 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 uh, not only our belief, but our perceptions and, and the way we think about life and the way we look at life and the way we approach life in general and all around. And the last few weeks we've talked about a few different types of kingdom mindsets uh, that, that we are called to have and, and hold and walk in. And if you miss those or want to be refreshed in those, I encourage you to go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. You can, it's right on the homepage. You can click on those and they are right there for you to pick and download and listen. Today I want to talk about a mindset called membership matters. Membership matters. I, I read, once read about Chinese bamboo that little produces in that tree the first four years of its life, like very little is happening that you can actually tell, that you can notice. And looks puny and it looks pitiful in its beginning stages and but then there's something powerful that really happens uh, that is taking place underneath the ground where you can't see under the surface and it's in that fifth year that that tree grows 80 feet it's pretty astounding four first four years absolutely hardly nothing looks pathetic looks puny looks pitiful Looks like this isn't going to make it. But all that work of the first four years is not happening on the outside. It's happening on the inside where you can't see it. Then the fifth year, boom, 80 feet, shoots up, sprouts. Teaches us an important lesson, and that is this, that we must understand that the root comes before the fruit. Now, we all want growth in our life. We all want big things to happen in our life. We want our faith to blossom. We want, we want these spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And all of these wonderful, magical, I say magical, supernatural things uh, to take place in us and in our life and for us. But we have to remember there's a work that happens inside of us before the fruit becomes evident externally you ever wonder why we we join a church you ever ask yourself what what's the big deal why why should we join a church and become a member of this church or, or that church or what have you i believe that god orchestrates church membership and he actually utilizes it for the greater emphasis and expansion of his kingdom here on earth and i believe that i believe that membership to the church matters Right here in Psalm 92, he, he writes and he, he says the godly flourish. And he uses these, these uh, descriptions. The godly flourish like palm trees. They grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. Because they are planted in the house of the Lord, their lives flourish. Palm trees are known to 
have long life. They are known to be upright. They're known to be fruitful. And, and he says then they also, he uses cedars. Uh, they're known to be sturdy, dependable, um, the kind of tree that is durable and, and somewhat incorruptible in some capacities. And so he's saying, look, our lives can be like a palm tree. Our lives can be like these cedars here. Our lives can be, they can, they can be plenty. They can, they can be fruitful. They can be upright. They can be strong and they can be dependable. They, they, they can be the kind of life that, that is stable and that is durable no matter what happens. No matter the environments, no matter the conditions of life that we might go through. And he says, but it only happens when they're planted. Trees are only going to live so long as they are planted, so long as they take root. And that's the idea here. And he likens a, the person of faith to, to these trees. But he says they're, they're, they will only flourish when they are planted in the right soil. When they are planted in the right type of ground. And he says, he says that ground, that soil is God's house. When your life is planted, when your life is taken root in God's house, then you can flourish. Your life can bloom. Your life can burst forth. Your life can break out and be and, and, and become everything God intends for your life to be. But it happens when you are planted in God's house, not just some innocent little thing out in the world somewhere, somehow trying to make it. No, when you're planted in the community of faith called the church. But how does this happen and what does this look like? It says you can thrive, you can flourish. I don't know about you, but man, I, I, I like it when my life is flourishing. All the right ingredients, all the right in context, all the right things are happening and going on in my life. My soul is breathing. My soul is healthy. No matter what I might be facing, I have faith and I have assurance that, that I am not the one on the throne, but Jesus is the one on the throne. And when I don't know what's around the corner, I have complete trust that God knows what's around the corner of my life. And my life is flourishing. I like it when my, my life is flourishing but there are some days where I don't feel like my life flourishes. Anybody feel like that sometimes? You just don't feel like it's all happening for you. That it's not all coming together for you. And you, you feel almost incomplete. You feel almost like you don't have the ability or the capability to actually go. But he says our life, can, our, life our souls can flourish when we are literally, we're planted in God's house. That means everything in my life and everything I do with my life honors and glorifies God. Church, that is the place where we are all called to live. We're called to live in that place. We're called to live from that place where everything about us, everything about our life and everything we do with our life honors and glorifies God. That that is, that is the place we're called to live. What does that look like though? There's this story in Ezekiel 37 the priest and the prophet Ezekiel, he has a vision. He has several visions, but he has this one vision, and, and God shows him this vision of this valley of dry bones. It's Ezekiel 37, if you want to read about it. Ezekiel 37, he has this vision of these, this valley of dry bones. And he looks out across the valley floor, and all he sees are these bones that are dry, and they're scattered, 
disconnected from one another. No complete frames, no complete skeletal structure whatsoever. They're just a mess. They're just wrecked. They're just ravaged. They're just out there, scattered and isolated and detached from one another. And, the, and, the, and he's having this vision, and God asks him, can these bones live again? And, he, and, and the priest says, and the prophet says, well, really, only you know, God, if they can really live again. Only you really know. And, and, and the Lord tells him, I want you to begin to prophesy and speak to those dry bones, and I want you to begin to call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Call them in to come together and be reconnected, be reestablished. And, and as you do that, I will, I will put muscle on the, those bones and I will put tendons there and I will put skin there and I will put motion and mobility upon them and they will become who they are supposed to be. And so he begins to do that. The prophet begins to speak out to these valley of dry bones and he calls them to live again. He calls them, hey, come together from the north, south, east, and west. Come together, you dry bones, and pop into place and move to where you're supposed to be and be connected where you're supposed to be connected. And, and he says he began to hear the sound a rattling noise you ever heard a bone break I've heard mine break oh it sounds awful and it hurts and sometimes I've heard that when you're dis, when you re, uh, reconnecting a bone to a bone it hurts as well and there's a, there's a sound that happens and that's what he was hearing he heard the sound of all these scattered bones coming back together and as they came together, God did what he said he would do. He would, put the, he would put the skin on the muscle and the tendon and all that. But then he also said he would breathe life into them. That he would breathe life into those dry bones. And they would become the great army of Israel. They would become the united people of God together. In other words, every person coming together in its rightful place in their rightful place, being where God wants them to be, they would be a living, breathing body of expression of the life of God. Sounds like what the church is supposed to be like today. It's a picture of what the church is supposed to be like. That vision not only shows what it's like to be completely disconnected, scattered, dry, no hope, no purpose, no life, but it also shows what it's like, what it can be like when you are together, when you are connected, and you are the living, breathing vessels of God on this earth. There's a story in Acts chapter 2. You can turn with me and it will also be on our screen here. It's the beginning stages of the church. The church has not existed before. The church is just coming into play, just coming onto the scene and it starts with a, with a group of about 120 people. They're in this upper room. They're praying. They're just really trying to do what God called them to do. Obey God. Walk with God. Connect with God. Stay together and, and, and not, not, you know, run one another off in that upper room, in that upstairs uh, bedroom where they were just getting together to pray and encourage each other to wait it out because the, some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples were go to Jerusalem and wait and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and things are going to be different. I promise you, he said, I promise you it will be different. And that's what they did. They just decided, you know what, we don't know really how long we're supposed to do this, but we're going to just do it. We're going to trust God. We're going to do the simple thing and pray. We're not going to make a big deal about it. We're just going to do what he told us to do. 
And that's what they did. They came together and prayed. And then in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, God's Spirit is poured out and things change. Peter preaches a message and 3,000 people become saved in one setting. In one day, the church went from 120 people to 3,000 people. Now, I don't believe their goal was, hey, let's see what kind of church growth uh, mechanisms we can put in play here. Let's see what kind of church growth dynamics. Let's, you know, you got the coffee, you got the donuts, uh, you got the padded chairs, uh, you got the curtains to surround it and make it look like a sanctuary. Uh, you, you got the heat turned. Yeah, that's good. You know, I don't think they even went through any of that stuff. All they did was gather in an upper room and pray, and people started hearing them pray, and God began to move, and the church went from 120 to 3,000 people just like that because people decided to stay connected and be together it's powerful I do believe that's the beginning picture of what the church is supposed to be an expression of people who come together who stick together who stay together and who make life happen together and as a result you see God become visible and approachable and tangible in the midst of people but look at this, what happens after that 3,000 come together. Verse 42 of Acts 2. It says, all those believers, I mean, I don't think they're going to lie there. They said all of them, 3,000 of them, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, to the fellowship of one another, to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, which we're going to do here shortly. And they also were devoted to praying. Uh, verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them. The apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes, even when they weren't all picked up, tidied up, and cleaned up, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Did you catch that? They were together in meals in each other's homes with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord subtracted. Is that what it said? No, each day the Lord what? Added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, God calls us to connect with something bigger than ourselves and that something bigger than ourselves is the church it's the community of faith that we are all called to be a part of now that's what happened those 120 did that those 3,000 did that and if you keep reading in this beginning of the book of Acts the church it grows that's what happened it grew and became pretty massive and covered the earth and moved on and here we are today that's my history lesson for the moment very short and simple you can you can all pass that test um, but here's the thing God worked in their midst as they devoted and committed themselves to one another because God honors unity God honors togetherness God honors commitment to one another and he, and he moved into their life and moved into their, their world and changed things for them for the better. And in, in the last few minutes I have, I, I just want to leave you with three thoughts about why membership matters. Okay? Three thoughts about why membership 
matters. The first thought is this, membership matters because it helps make visible our commitment to Christ and Christ's body in a low commitment culture. There's no question at all we live in a very low commitment culture. Uh, One minute everybody's your fan, the next minute everybody hates you. Depends on what you wear, depends on what you say, depends on how you tweet it, depends on how you Snapchat it, uh, it depends on how you email it, it depends on whatever. It just depends. But literally, membership, I believe, helps make visible our commitment to Christ and to his body in this world in which we live i got to go back for just a second because I believe there are some folks who you desperately desire the mobility of the Holy Spirit in your life. You desire the movement of the, and the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. But you feel like you are detached. You almost feel like, and, and it, you, uh, some of you feel like you are, like there are these roadblocks in your life. Like there are these dams in your life that's prohibiting the flow of God happening in your life. And I want to I tell you today that, that as that picture of that vision that Ezekiel had, that as you listen to God's voice and you respond to his call to be joined and be connected, I believe that is when and how life really, God's life flows in and flows through you. If you ever doubted, should I be a part of a church? Should I ever, should I really devote myself to a local body of believers? The answer is yes, absolutely yes, because I believe that is a picture, that vision in Ezekiel is a picture of what it's like when you're not and a picture of what it's like when you are. And God wants your life together. And he's the one who calls you together. He's the one who puts you together. He's the one who keeps your life together. And it's in the local expression of the body of believers that help you walk that out. And that's why membership matters. Because it helps to make our commitment visible to Christ. Hey, Jesus, I'm not a lone ranger. I'm not solo. I'm not out here on my own trying to force my Christianity and make it through life. No, I am living this thing out in the context of a family of faith who love me and who care for me. You know, the thing is, staying put sometimes is a hard thing to do. Staying put sometimes is a hard thing to do. It, be- it can become so mundane to just stay put. I mean, you think about it, doing the same thing week after week together. Not that there's not ever any kind of excitement or flavor or flair or pizzazz or any of that. I'm just saying, think about it. Sometimes staying put is hard to do. There's something to be said about the long-suffering, patient, faithful saints in the church today. Because think about it, what if those early believers, those 120 believers, what if they didn't stay put? What if they didn't stay together with each other? What if one of them said, hey, you know what, I'm tired of hanging out in your upstairs room. I'm going to go and watch some Netflix. Obviously, they didn't have it then. Uh, You know, I'm tired of really just doing this. I mean, how long are we going to have to wait for God to show up. I mean, I got a life to get on. I got a business to run. I got a family to feed. I got a baseball game to get to. I, I, I mean, I just want to get on with my life. Is this thing even working? Right? What if those believers got tired of staying together 
and coming together and being together, think about it, they would have missed the most significant outpouring of God in the the entire world. They would have missed it. Think about it. Think about our life today. The world needs to see the spiritual family of God stay connected to one another, even, even when things get challenging and difficult. You don't have to raise your hand, but think about it. How many times have you been tempted to not come back to church because something didn't happen the way you thought it should? Or somebody, you know, heaven forbid, didn't speak to you. Or didn't call you during the week. Didn't check up on you. I'm not saying none of that doesn't happen or none of that shouldn't happen. I'm just saying sometimes it happens, right? But think about it. The church is supposed to be the ones to show the world what it's like for God's people to stay together and committed to one another even when life is hard. Even when things are challenging. Even when we don't get each other sometimes. We don't understand what goes on sometimes in each other's world. Perhaps it's because we didn't take the time to listen. We were so focused on speaking that we failed to just listen or to even look. Membership matters because it makes our commitment visible to Christ and to his body in this low commitment world. In fact, this world here in, in Acts chapter 2, by the time you get to verse 47, said the Lord was adding to their fellowship every day. And the message translation, it, was, it, it says something to the effect that those on the outside liked what they saw happening on the inside. So they wanted what they had. The world was wanting what they had. They saw their love for Jesus. They saw their love for one another. They saw their commitment to Christ. They took it serious. They took it for real. Like it wasn't a game. Like it wasn't a time stamp on a card that says, I did that, done with that today. They saw that that was a real thing going on and they wanted what they had. Oh man, I pray that the world would actually want what we have. I pray the world would actually want what we have. Second thought on why membership matters. Membership matters because it helps keep us accountable and dependent upon each other in an independent and isolated society. Again, if there was ever a day and time where this world is so independent and so isolated, it's now. Everybody's walking around literally like this. I mean, there's videos. If you, obviously, if you take your smartphone and look up Facebook videos or YouTube, people walking and texting, you see them walking and texting and then falling over things, tripping over stuff. We're probably going to be some of the most hunchback people in the world because all we do is this. We probably don't even know how to use the rest of our hand because our thumbs are so good, Right? I mean, that's the kind of society in the world. We, 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 go to, we go to eat with people, and what do we do? Boom, our phone's right there on the table. Go to visit with somebody, boom, oh, make my phone out of my pocket, make sure I don't break it, and I'll set it on my table. Right? 
Now, I get it. It's, it's, it's nice to have. It's a convenience. It's a luxury to have a phone these days. It's a luxury to, have, to be connected in that type, of, that type of condition, that type of way. But, man, we have honestly produced the most, indep- the most uh, independent and, and, and isolated people in the world. Because we can't go without looking at screens. And, and it may not be that. For you, it may not be the screen. You might be like, I'm, I'm good. I don't have to have that. Good for you. But there's other things that you deal with that keep you isolated. There are things that you, you, you face that keep you separated. Membership matters because it helps keep us accountable and dependent upon one another. Amen? I, I, I failed to read a verse I was supposed to read earlier, so I'll just skip that one and read the next one. It's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. It says, This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Each of you is a part of it. Don't think for a moment that you don't matter. Don't think for a moment that you aren't significant. Don't think for a moment who you are and the gifts you have don't have value because they absolutely do. They absolutely do. You do. You know, the remainder of the New Testament deals with a lot, deals with a lot about the context of spiritual relationship in the body of Christ. You begin to read these other epistles, these other letters that are written, and in, 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 in most of them, it's woven in the tapestry of these letters about dealing with one another, how we worship together, serve together, give together, pray together, honor one another, encourage one another, be hospitable to one another, right? forgiving one another, helping to restore one another when one has fallen, when one has failed, when one feels like they, they can't be forgiven of that, that there's no hope and there's no way to come back from that. There's no way I could possibly get over this horrible situation that I have faced and have dealt with. The church is called to be in context of spiritual relationship with another. We help each other. The Bible talks about this in different places. Two are better than one. When one's down, the other one's up, right? Two are better than one. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken, the Ecclesiastes wisdom tells us. And friends, I get it. Because with the world and the society we live in, it's not as easy for us to adapt to welcoming one another in to our lives. We, we live at um, text mode, and we, we don't live in real relationship mode because come on how how many times have you sent a text and you just don't understand the meaning behind what they said it's hard to interpret connotation and tone when it's thumbed out we have replaced ourselves with devices instead of discipleship And membership matters in the local church because, man, it helps us to keep each other accountable. Think about it. People don't jerk your chain because they're mad at you. 
they do it because they love you and they don't want to see you go down the wrong road. They don't want to see your life spiral out of control. They don't want to see anything bad happen to you because of the choices you make. Accountability is important. Dependency upon one another. Being able to help each other out. I tend to be more of a prideful person. I don't like people helping me out. It takes a whole lot for me to ask somebody for help. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was raised to work hard and, and, and fight through it, dig through it, work it out, pound it out, wait it out, get mad at it if it didn't work out, and come back to it later, man. But when I broke my leg two years ago, and I'm not playing football this Thanksgiving, by the way. So, Heather, don't let anybody talk me into going. I'm just going to watch the TV, okay? I'll watch them on TV. Um, I had to have so many different people help me out in so many different ways. And it was a pride buster. I mean, come on. I like doing things for myself. I like making life happen. But I had this one person come over. Many of you were so gracious and kind. But I had this one guy come over, Adrian. He helped me figure out how to fit the, uh, that particular orthopedic brace on. Adrian grew up in a, in a Pentecostal family. His grandfather was a pastor for, for God knows how long now. He's preaching to some people now, leaning over the banister rail of heaven, saying, you can make it. But this guy can't, comes over and helps fit it for me, but then he, he says, can I pray for you? I'll never forget that prayer. I'll never forget that prayer you prayed for me. That prayer was so genuine and so honest, and so heartfelt, and so tender. And it was just a, less than a month earlier you had lost your grandfather. You could have just said, Jeremy, you can figure it out. You're a grown man. You can get somebody who can help you put, put that thing on. I'm busy. I work 30-something hours a day. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> but he stopped. At my house on an evening that was cold outside, I can only imagine because I couldn't get out at that time. And he prayed. I'll never forget it. Membership matters. We're all going to be in a time and place, church, where we're going to need somebody. And I'd rather have the church on my side than somebody else in this world. Regardless if they had everything they could offer me, I need to have somebody of faith that when I'm low and I need help and I need encouragement and I need strength, I need somebody who can pray for me. Amen? Membership matters. And the third one is this. You guys okay if I go to the third one? Finish this thing up here. Worship team, you guys, you can go ahead and come on back up because we're going we're gonna to take communion together. You know, God made us this way. He made the church this way to where we work out our salvation in the context of the community of faith. The community of faith is where we're supposed to be able to fall down and told, don't stay there. 
let me help you get back up. But unfortunately, in our day and time, we live in such a judgmental, cynical, mean world where when someone falls, we like to put it out there for the world to see. <laughs> Look, I told you so. Look, I told you they would screw up. I told you they wouldn't make it. And the last place that should happen would be in the church. And that's our prayer. If you've ever felt like that way towards the church, and you're here, I pray you'd give our church a chance and see all the wonderful people around who have helped make New Life Church what it is today, a place where we are there for one another. And the third thought is this. Membership matters because it helps the pastors be more faithful shepherds and the people be faithful sheep in a fallen world. You know, part of our job description as pastors is outlined in Ephesians 4 where it says we're supposed to equip God's people to do God's work, to build up the church, the body of Christ, and said, so this is going to continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And on down in verse 16 of Ephesians 4, it says, Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Did you catch that? As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If that's not a, a picture of a church that I want to pastor, it's that right there. A church that's healthy and growing and full of love. What are you known for, New Life Church? Oh, we're known for being full of God's love. What are you known for, New Life Church? We're known for helping each other grow spiritually in the Lord. What are you known for, New Life Church? We are known for helping each other stay strong in their faith. Because here's what happens. A church that's healthy and growing and full of love has no problem whatsoever reaching its community serving its community, blessing its community like we talked about this morning with our Christmas blessing offering. A church that is growing in those ways. A church that is healthy and growing and full of love. We have no problem. We would have no issue whatsoever serving and meeting needs of those on the outside. Amen. Amen. The pastors be faithful, the people be faithful. The word faithful and faithfulness appears over a hundred times if you look it up in the King James version of that. We're called to be faithful to Jesus and his lordship, church. We are called to be faithful to God's will. We are called to be faithful to his word, called to be faithful to Jesus and his character being worked in our life, being developed in us, and we're called to be faithful to God's kingdom culture. In 
And right before we come to the table, I want to just expound on these last two verses here because this is huge. This is so, so vital. In Psalm 92, you know, he talks about those, they will flourish as they are planted in God's house. And in verse 14, it says, even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. They will declare he is my rock. They will declare there is no evil in him. The Lord produce fruit and remain vital even in old age. So the idea here is ultimately over our lifetime, we don't become obsolete and insignificant and invisible. Over the course of our lifetime as we get older, the idea here is that we become more significant because we're able to show the younger, hey, here's what it's like if you will just stay with it, stick with it, stay faithful, and stay committed to the church. There are folks there, you are in here today, and you have been doing this thing for a very long time, and you were able to show the rest of us what it's like. You were still vital, and you were still producing fruit in your life because you have shown us, and you were able to show us what it's like to stay faithful. And I want to tell you, you're older, 50 plus. We need you to stay at it. We need you to stick with it. We need you to carry on and keep showing us younger ones, hey, you can do this as well. Look at my life. And that's what the psalmist says. He goes on and he says, I declare. He says, my life will declare. My life will speak. My life will shout. My life will point towards God. He is just. He is just. My life points to God and says he is just. In other words, the psalmist saying, look, God is my palm tree. God is the upright one in my life. God is the one who is producing fruit in me. He is just. My life points to God in my old age and says he is my rock. God is my cedar. God is the durable one. God is the sustainable one in my life. How did you make it all these times, George? How did you make it all these times, Neva? How did you make it all these times, guys? How did you do it? How did you make it? The Lord is just. How did you hang on? The Lord is my rock. The younger needs the older to show their life. You can stick this out. You can hang in there. You can do it. Even in my old age, I am still producing fruit. I am vital. Listen to me. You are vital. You are needed. This is in the Lord. I declare with my life, the Lord, there is no evil in Him. He is good. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with all the difficult things in this world, the tainted and toxins of this society. How have you been able to manage that in your life? Well, there's only one thing I know. The Lord is still good. Church, young people are cynical because they, they like to see genuineness. They can't stand fakeness. And that's probably true for the most of us. And here's what we need. We need to be a church that is not one age or this age, 
we need to carry on to be a church that is multi-generational because we need the older to say to the younger, the Lord, no matter what you face. I've been around the block a few times. This is not my first rodeo. The older needs to be able to say to the younger, look, if you'll just hang, if you'll just hang, if you'll just keep putting one foot in front of the other, if you will just keep breathing in and out, in and out, if you will keep praying, if yes, if you will just keep reading your Bible, yes, if you will just keep going to church and staying committed to that church, yes, if you won't get all flustered over every little thing that doesn't turn out right, if you will just hang in there and hang with it, yes, you can be able to say with your life, the Lord is My life declares that he is good. And there's something about the table, the Lord's table, that reminds us, man, wherever we are, whoever we are, age to age, experience to experience, Jesus calls us to his table. If you can, let's stand. We're going to prepare to come to the table today. We prepare to wind down. Membership matters, church. Membership matters. Don't be dangling out there alone. Don't go floating from one church to another church. Land somewhere. Hopefully you land where the Lord leads you. And plant yourself there. And if it's new, I would encourage you this. Stay five years before changing your mind. A lot happens in five years. Give the church that you're going to plant yourself in, give them five years at least. So that's a long time to think about. I get it. Think about if you would have left before five years and you didn't stay that sixth year or that seventh year. You wouldn't be with us today. And if you are looking at our church as a future place, we have connect cards there at the back. All you got to do is grab one, take one home bring it back next week if you want or fill it out today and drop it and on the back it talks about membership you can just simply check a box and one of our leaders will follow up with you our children are coming in to come to the table with us today as you come to the table here's what I'm I'm, the instructions for for today are here we typically take our bread and dip it in the cup bread signifying the body of Christ that's broken for us, that makes us whole. The blood, the cup signifies the blood of the new covenant of Christ, his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of all our sins. And if you affirm that in your life as a believer, then come and take this today. And as you come today and dip your bread in the cup, before you take the element, before you take those elements, I'm asking you to do this, to gather together with a couple of different folks. If you've got a family here with your family, but I'm, gonna, I'm asking you to invite some other folks into your circle. 
If you're by yourself or have one or two, I'm asking you to join with another household. Join with some other friends. And let's be refreshed in this house today because this doesn't get to happen freely around the world. In fact, there are a lot of churches who fight hard at stopping multi-generation and multi-racial churches coming together. And I'm so thankful that our church exists like this. Young and old, black and white, you name it, we're precious in His sight. And it's true. So let's do that today. Come to the table, take your element, and then gather together with a few other families. And then take a moment when you gather in that small circle. Pray for each other. We just really don't know what each other's dealing with. We don't really know the pressure that some of us are under. So ask, what can we pray for you about? What can we pray with you about? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this moment, this time to come together and be reminded of the sacrifice, Jesus, that you made for us to put our lives together, to restore us and to hold us when we feel like we're breaking apart. That there is no sin and no trespass that you can't conquer with your blood. For it, for you forever created and paved the way for forgiveness of our sins. And we are thankful for that today. That you don't hold those things against us. As we seek you, you turn your face towards us. So as we come today to take the elements of the bread and the cup of the new covenant, we do so being mindful also of one another in our family of faith. Lord, heal lives, heal hearts, heal families, heal and bridge the breaches in our life today. We ask you for that today, Lord, and then use us to be the kind of church that can definitely make a difference in our community and around this world. In Jesus' name, amen.